Um, I'm going to welcome up our lovely panelists. Um, please come on up. You know who you are. <laughs> um, and as you got, as they make their way up to this stage, um, I'm just so grateful. Let's just give a round of applause to our speakers today. Um, yeah, Kelly and Robin and Danny, I've just been so blessed by your wisdom and your words. So thank you. Um, pick a seat. Any seat? All right, so this is going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. There's so much wisdom on this stage. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this primarily because I want to just pepper Lauren Brown with questions like she does to us. That is not going to happen. Okay, (laughs) maybe a little bit. (laughs) Um, But anyway, we have a couple of new faces up here. So I want to hear from each of you guys um, a little bit, maybe a little bio. We have a new face, Stephanie Walcott. Yay, we love Stephanie. Yes, we love Stephanie. Um, So we're going to start with you. I'd love to hear just from each of you. Give us your little bio, maybe how you spend your days um, and where you serve in ministry, whatever you want to share. We'll start with you. Are all the mics on? At least this one is. Okay, uh, my name is Stephanie Walcott, and um, like you might have heard in in the game today, I, I actually was saved in high school, and uh, I was invited to come to Grace for a Christmas concert, and that's where I heard the gospel for the first time. And, and so it's been a blessing. I've been at Grace my entire Christian life, and I'm really, really thankful. I was in sales for 25 years, and... Um, it was a wonderful uh, blessing to me, great job that I had. And um, the Lord, through many circumstances, started to press in on my heart to change jobs and, and actually to move away from sales and to come and work at the church. And so I actually serve in international outreach, and I have the blessing of working with our missionaries day in and day out. That, that is what I do day, day to day. I'm in Anchored Fellowship Group, and I have hosted a Bible study at my house for almost 14 years. And uh, it's just been an incredible, rich kindness from the Lord, uh, that Bible study. But it's a real joy to be with you today, and, and yeah, I look forward to our time together. Well, I'm Kelly again, and I grew up in Northern California. My parents are very strong believers, and so they share the gospel with me when I was, I'm sure, still in the womb. And I actually came to salvation at a young age, I would say around six or seven. Um, Yeah, and just grew from that point, was taught really well at our churches there, and then through Pastor John's ministry, also grew up listening to him and reading lots of his books. And then I went to master's. Uh, a while ago, and graduated with a degree in English, and then worked in accounting, and (laughs) so that's always fun. Um, And then I went back a few years ago and got a master's in biblical studies, and yeah, love serving here at the church. I'm in Foundation Bible Study on Friday nights, uh, leadership there, and then I do Everyone's Grace with Lauren on Wednesdays, and I love that. I've been there for probably eight or nine years, and then on Sundays, I am in Sojourners or in Nursery or Children's. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Danny. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think what else I could talk about. But I didn't, I didn't grow up in a believing home. 
Um, I, like uh, Kristen mentioned, I went to a volleyball outreach um, between like eight and ninth grade. It was over the summer. Uh, and that's where I first heard the gospel. And then um, high school, I was growing a lot as a Christian, but I wasn't really going to a church that preached the whole scriptures. Like they just, you know, very, very um, light sermons. And so it wasn't until college that the Lord really showed me the, the beauty of his word and, and of his church. And so that was a really formative time. And um, how am I, how I spend my days? Well, changing diapers. No, it's kidding. I mentioned that already. <laughs> uh, no, it's 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 a really, really sweet season with our four four littles. Um, and so between going to everything one eighty related, which is so much fun, and then um, going home and getting to teach them about the Lord and and about the world and how He made it, it's just such a joy. I'm loving it. I am the other LB up on this stage. Lauren Brown. The greater LB. <laughs> the bigger LB. And I share Actually, some really things not. with Danny. And I don't share some things. I don't spend my days doing diapers. But I was also saved in college where I was invited by my resident assistant to go to a Bible study. And I had been seeking the Lord, but in a way that was incomplete and that I did not understand the fullness of his word. So we went to an evangelical church and a Bible study on campus, and that was where I really had God's word preached in a way that was meaningful, that I understood my sin. And for me, that was really the turning point of understanding that it wasn't just theoretical, but it was my sin that needed payment. And so understanding the reason for the cross was not just this amorphous sort of thing, but it was my sin. I kept coming back to my sin and the need of the cross. So the Lord was gracious to show me my sin and to provide mercy. And so I was so blessed. Went through college and then I worked in journalism for a long time and now I help at church. How about you, Robin? Well, my my parents were at Grace when I was probably hearing the gospel in the womb also. <laughs> and they know your parents really well. Um, so they shared the gospel with me since I was very young. And I thought that I was saved when I was five because I prayed the sinner's prayer. I, I doubt that I was really saved then because you can see evidence in your life as you look back and you know your heart um, I think I may have truly understood the gospel sometime around my last year of high school. Um, and uh, my parents always loved grace, and we, they'd moved away, and we would come back. So I'm just very thankful that the Lord was gracious to me. I thought I was really a good, good person and was doing all the right things, but the Lord showed me through his word that I wasn't. So I don't know when I was saved at some point. Um, the Lord changed my heart's desires. Well, thank you guys. Um, it's really sweet to just hear how the Lord worked in each of your individual lives in such unique ways and have gifted all of you in unique ways. And we get to benefit from each of your wisdom. So, um, with that, we won't go down the line for every single question, just so you guys know, um, it'll kind of just be open-ended, but we're going to start, 
um, with a question that relates to just personal holiness. And um, I think this is a really helpful question for everyone here, but what what questions does you guys struggle with, particularly as a younger believer? Um, and of those questions, like how, what helped you work through those things? And then, Lauren, do you want to start? Why, of course, Lauren, let me start. <laughs> as I mentioned, I think for me, it was very much understanding the nature of God and the nature of man. So it was really fundamental. And some of that has been addressed in what was taught this morning, but to, it's kind of twofold, to understand that I could know the character of God through scripture and that I didn't have to go through anyone else in order to know God. I didn't need to go through any other human. I could know God directly. And that was a revelation to me because it's not about a ritual. It's not about something that I do. It's about something that God did on my behalf, and I could know about that as it was revealed in Scripture. So even though I had a Bible when I was in high school, and but it wasn't, it wasn't this Bible, so it just had things in there that didn't really lead to God. It was very much a works-oriented thing, so I would say that that's probably where I struggled because some of what we've been talking about this morning is that I was being taught to have confidence in myself. I was being told that I could do whatever I wanted to do, all I needed to do was work for it. And it was just a lie because no amount of good works would save me. So that element of understanding that God alone is holy and righteous and there needs to be that payment for one sin was pivotal in my life and still is because I think that's how we understand the the purpose of the cross. The cross was needed because of sin. And so all of God's plan that's revealed in Scripture from the beginning of time and where it will end in glory was just wonderful. So really it was understanding God's character and understanding his work both for all people but also for me individually in Scripture was something that I, I found so needed and so helpful as I was in that really pivotal stage of being at university and when you figure out who you are and how much am I going to study and what am I going to be and to recognize that eternal values don't always match our culture's values. A little bit longer. What about you, Danny? Um, oh, it's very similar. I like they're very similar um, testimonies. Uh, I think what was really, we laugh about it, laugh about it now because it's just so kind of the Lord and how he... He matures us and sanctifies us. But like when I was going to college, I was so little versed in the scriptures that I was like, I went in as a biology major. So I was like thinking evolution was true. I remember like talking with Esai about gay marriage and I was like, so what's wrong with it? Like I was so confused. Um, All those like hot topic um, or hot button issues that the world was discussing. I remember like, um, I think it was Obama was elected and stuff. All that stuff was coming to light. Um, and I was finally like seeing those issues for the first time and like wrestling with them. And, and I could see what all the peers around us at our university were thinking about and how they thought about those issues. And then the God's word is in stark contrast to that. And so I really had to wrestle with like, do I believe God's word is true through and through all the way, all of it. And if I'm putting my faith in Christ based on what he has said in the scriptures, then I also need to believe everything else he says. 
why would I say, oh, yeah, I believe that Christ did that for me, and then ignore the rest of what his scripture tells me about who he is and what he values and what's important to him and, um, and how he feels about marriage, and, or not feels, but how he designed marriage uh, and how he created the world. And so, um, yeah, I had to really, as, even as I was in those biology classes, really think about those big questions about where we came from and um, what it means to be a Christian in a culture that completely rejects the truth. So, yeah, that was really tough, but it was so good to then come out on the other side of it really believing all of God's word. And I think, sorry, Lauren, I think as well that <laughs> that culture where you were in college hasn't changed much, from, much to the culture where our students are now mm-hmm. in terms of the things our culture is valuing. Mm-hmm. Even though I loved personally that Danny said that she has wrinkles, I found that as an older woman very sweet. <laughs> Wait a little bit, and then you'll see wrinkles. But I think that's true for our culture today, that where all of the students are. Sure. I had lots of questions and still do. I just have many questions all the time. One that stands out to me when I was probably in junior high or high school that I struggled a lot with was just the role of women uh, in marriage and how all that looked and... I think looking back on it, why I struggled with what I was being told about submission, why I was submitting to husbands, was because I wasn't, I think I was hearing it from people, but no one was actually showing me in Scripture. And if you are a believer, you're going to yield when you see it on the page of Scripture to that, and it's going to be beautiful to you. So once I actually started looking into it, and I read Pastor John's book on that, um, I think it was called Divine Design when I read it, but it's gone through a couple. It's so helpful. So if that is something you are interested in, I would recommend it, because it just gave me this encouragement that it's not that being a woman is less (laughs) valuable than a man. Of course not. Uh, But you do, especially in marriage, have a specific design that's beautiful and you need to embrace that um, if that is your role. And it just, yeah, it gave me such confidence in who I was and just whatever future that was. And I don't know why I struggled with that because my parents had such a wonderful marriage and my mom never complained about anything in that. But it just, you know, we all have our areas that we question. So Well, that actually is one of the same things that I struggled with, is just the idea that, that maybe somehow women were inferior in, in the grand scheme of, of God's creation. And uh, I was saved, like I said, in high school, and I was just about to start at UCLA. And I can remember John was actually teaching on the roles of women and I just kept walking out of the sanctuary, like infuriated and struggling and frustrated. And you come to know the gospel, but you, you spend your whole life learning about the Lord and, and the whole counsel of God's word. And, um, and so I just was brand new, and this was all new to me. And, and so I just really had to grapple with that. But over time, the Lord just... He just impressed upon my heart just how men and women are actually differently made. We have different skill sets and giftedness and strengths. And, and, and by God's like brilliant design, we are actually, we come together and our different roles complement and actually strengthen one another. And, and then I came to study, um, was it the P31 woman, and and realized how in, industrious she was. I mean, she was clothing 
not only her children, but her household. And, and then I studied, you know, Ruth and, and Esther, and I realized that the depiction in God's word of, of women is, is very, very strong and competent. And it's a joy, actually, to fulfill the role that the Lord has actually designed purposefully for us. And it's, it's definitely come full circle, and it's been a blessing uh, on this journey. How about you, Robin? <laughs> I had all sorts of funny questions because I came to Masters and I thought I knew. Again, I thought I was saved and I thought I knew so much. And I, I would be listening in chapel or, or in class and be like, oh, I don't think I've ever heard that before. And I wouldn't want to say anything. <laughs> so I remember asking Luis actually about what's this thing about God's sovereignty and salvation? I've never heard about that. And he, like, took me from the beginning of the Bible to the end, just showing me how God... I was like, oh, that's true. And then, like, they said to do membership here about the gifts, the supernatural gifts. And I'd always kind of thought God talked to me when I was reading my Bible. Like, I would, like, think I was getting, like, a voice. I don't know. Um, You know, very emotional. And... And I was reading the membership thing to become a member, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And so someone said, here's John MacArthur's commentary, and you can, you know, read on 1 Corinthians. I'm so bad. It's chapter 12, right? Okay. Um, And so I read that, and I was like, yeah, that's true, too. And it was just like that, you know, like reading and, and understanding what the Bible says about things, and just it was very... Just as you see someone explain to you scripture clearly, you say, well, of course, that's in the Bible. It's from the beginning to the end. And when someone explains it so clearly, we're so blessed. And so those are some. So how did I work through it? I, I, I listened to John MacArthur's sermons, and that's how I work through any questions I have. <laughs> yeah, and I think all of these, all of your answers are just amazing. I think they're questions that you know, we all have and still wrestle with. I think, Lauren, you mentioned that of like, there's nothing new, right? We all have the same questions, but um, you guys each mentioned, I mean, the common theme of how you're working through it is just what does the Bible say about it? Um, And that God's word is sufficient um, for all things. And so I'm glad you guys all said that. Of course, that's the answer, but thank you for saying it. Um, So moving on, um, just thinking about sin in our own hearts and lives, um, how do we guard against normalizing sin in our own minds? What do you think, Robin? (laughs) How do we guard against? Well, very easy. Expose ourselves to Scripture. Psalm 119, right? Verse 9 and 11. And I really find listening to sermons is very helpful because I'll read the Bible and I'll kind of just skip over things that that are convicting. And if I listen to a sermon, the pastor's like, you are the problem, you know? And so (laughs) it's good to hear. And I also, I am a mom. And so like I, I listen to sermons a lot while I'm doing things all day long. And so it's very helpful to me to be confronted. Um, so that's how I, that you're trying to guard your mind by um, being exposed to Scripture, confessing and repenting of our sin as soon as we're aware of it. 
I also love the resources that we have at our church because there's so much to strengthen us and to help teach us. And so one of the things that I would commend, as I have for my own heart, but for all of you students, because I think in high school and as I was a young believer, one of the questions was, how do I know the Bible is true? Because we go to the Bible for guidance, but how do I know it's real? And so we have so many resources here at church, and I think of Dr. Chow, Abner Chow, who has taught on this a lot, and it's really helpful when you are maybe newer in the faith to go to someone who has had many years and to say, not only is it true because it's historical, it's experiential, we know that we can trust it, because if you're not at the point of saying that scripture is real and true, and so what God says will happen, then there's still a disconnect. And it's really important, I think, as students, you're studying. So study what the Bible is and be convinced in your heart and your mind that this is God's word, because then it will change your heart and your mind and your life. So I think in in some way, that's part of it as well. And to just take some time to commit, to be convinced by the Lord's work that this is how he is speaking to us today. With the greatest of respect to my sister, it is not verbally. God doesn't speak to oh, us no. verbally I when we that study. that was wrong. But he does oh. speak to us through Scripture. Was that clear? That's how we know God. <laughs> the, I would add to, to guard against normalizing sin. That's why it's so important to be around other believers and strong believers because um, if you're just hanging out with, well, non-believers or very weak Christians, then you're going to look pretty good. Uh, but if you're around spiritually mature people and you're transparent with them, it's going to expose how sinful you are. So I think that's, for me, been one thing I can see. You just need to be so committed to the body, and um, we're warned of that in Hebrews, um, not to forsake the assembling together. And I think it keeps us sharp and cognizant of our sin so we can fight it. So. So all of you have to be in 180 tomorrow morning. We're looking for you. Oh, yeah, I I would totally add to that, too. I I agree. Um, I think a big thing that the Lord had to teach me becoming a newer believer or when I was a newer believer was actually being teachable. Um, And so when people are, especially um, your mother and father, especially if they're believers um, or other, you know, like small group leaders, all that, if if they are pointing something out, don't be quick to close your ears. Be quick to listen, right? Um, and slow to speak. Be willing to hear that counsel. Um, that I mean, to you, it's it's so hard, right, to not be offended when someone calls you out on something. But the Lord wants us to be gentle and and ready to receive um, rebuke. And uh, and yeah, that was something that I really had to come to terms with because I was even like as a young kid, I was such a perfectionist. I didn't want my coaches to tell me how to play the game. Um, but that's the only way you grow. And, um, and if someone is seeing sin in your life, like, yeah, listen to that. Um, they're not just going to say it out of nowhere, especially if there's a trusted friend or counselor. Um, and even asking people in your life, like, do you see any ways that I could be growing? Um, being willing to strike up those conversations. Um, or if you have a sin that's little, that you think is not a big deal, like talking to someone about it before it does snowball into something more serious. 
Um, because often if we quiet and try to hide something, then it does become, we come, become numb to it um, when it's in secret. But when we're in community, we can have accountability and, and talk about it. I think I, if I could just add, just that the Lord has provided many safeguards for us internally. Um, he, when he left us his Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit, when we're walking with the Lord, the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. And we have to be attentive to that prodding and that pressing from the Spirit. And, and the other thing is just the conscience. The Lord has also given us our consciences as, as a safeguard. And, and just to be pouring into your conscience that which is holy. And, and that's God's word. And, and benefiting from God's counsel, his word, and, and the power that lies therein, and, and prayer. I mean, those are really fundamental things, but they will keep you on the straight and narrow. That's all really good. Um, moving on a little bit, um, thinking of just if we are a believer, um, what has been helpful or how, how would you counsel somebody who's maybe struggling with whether they are saved or not. Um, and I guess the question is, how, how do you know that you are saved? Lauren. Lauren. Go to Regen because we teach on, we don't teach, they, we are taught about assurance. And assurance is something that is settled and that we know that we are saved when we see the work of the Lord changing our lives. And there are certain things that you know in Scripture as well in terms of the fruit of the Spirit. Are we peaceful? Are we joyful? Are we content? You know, some of that is produced by the work of God in our lives so that there is assurance found both internally as we know God's Word but externally in how we behave and interact with others. So I think that's a a big key is assurance being with you use the word community, which I like because scripture teaches about being discipled, having other people disciple us, having us disciple others, being accountable in a community so that we can't hide our sin because we just think we can pretend. But we know that God knows this and knows our hearts and knows our motives. So we think that we're fooling. My mom is still alive. And she's 348 years old. So, but she knows my heart. And it's your moms know your hearts as well. So you may think they don't have a clue about what's going on. And I loved whomever was, I think that was you talking about TikTok trends. Tutorials. Tutorials. It's like, I can't even say that, much less understand what that means. But our culture tries to shape us. And then my comment is just that your moms and the people who are around you and the staff and our pastors and our elders, they know what's going on. So you can't hide behind our sin. You can't hide sin. So I'm very thankful for the ways, Kelly, you even had remarked on that there are people who are going to call us on our sin and say, that wasn't the kindest remark or you're not living in the way that you should be living. And just as a little bit of a detour, because it can be easy to look at the externals and say, I'm a believer because of this. I go to church. I go to Bible study. 
I wear this kind of clothing, whatever it is. And yet, if we ignore the heart, then we ignore all of that because it's easy to lie. And being with other believers helps because the the Lord uses them to speak to us. So I think that makes a difference. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I um, One thing that came to mind is um, in Romans, how it talks about the person who sat on the flesh versus the person who sat on the spirit. Um, I just, I, I even see that, yeah, that, that there's a, a switch that happens in the believer's heart when you're a new creation um, where you are, even if you're not perfectly doing any I mean we're not going to do anything perfectly but even if you're not pursuing the Lord as like you feel like you should there is that desire to pursue the Lord there's that hunger for his word and his word is living and active and um and I think we've been commenting a lot about the sufficiency of scripture and and as Jesus said like my sheep will listen to my voice um that willingness to hear and to learn from scripture like you were saying like you know once you start reading it there's those that are going to be hostile toward it or ignore it. And there's those who are going to be like, wow, I can't get enough of this. I need this. I need this wisdom. And I want to know the Lord more. You see that desire for the Lord in a believer's life, even if it's weak and it needs to keep growing. It always needs to keep growing our love for the Lord, but it's there. Um, I think, yeah, we can't just go. There's a difference between going to church and going to small group and being like, I can't wait to go to church. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'm excited to go small group tonight because I know we're going to talk about this scripture. And, um, and yeah, and we're not always going to have that. Like I've had seasons where, dry seasons, where I felt like oh, I don't feel close to the Lord or like I haven't been reading the word as I should. But the fact that there's that nagging sense, the Spirit's conviction is there, is like almost, it, it actually assures me of my faith that I, I want to know the Lord and that he's doing a work in me. He's going to complete it. Um, and that he has saved me. He's not, nothing can sm- snatch me out of his hand. Um, that confidence that we were talking about and fearing God, all those things, contentment, yep, it's all signs that you are walking with him and he's, he has you. Mm-hmm. I'll just mention something I learned about, like, Friday. <laughs> um, so in the MacArthur Study Bible, there's this really neat um, page on on genuine saving faith and and it has evidences that neither prove or disprove our faith but then it has a list of the fruit of proofs of genuine faith and and I wrote them down and and it's right there in in the MacArthur study Bible and it's super comprehensive and there's verses that go with each of these but love for God repentance from sin genuine humility, devotion to God's glory, continual prayer, selfless love, separation from the world, spiritual growth, obedient living, hunger for God's word, transformation of life. And and you can read through each of these and and evaluate your life and your heart and, and see, does this match what God's word says should be evident in my own soul? of the fact that I, that I'm when I'm walking with the Lord and I'm saved. So, just a handy dandy guide. Thank you. That's all super practical and and so helpful and even just a reminder of 
yeah, what we can find encouragement in and hope in, but ultimately knowing, like Danny talked about, our confidence is in Christ and what he did on the cross, and that's where it comes from. So um, just even focusing on that of, like, the good news is it's not up to us, and we can do nothing apart from him, um, and that's where our assurance is rooted in and comes from. Um, but that's all super helpful and practical. Um, another big question, I think, would be more for the unbeliever in the room, um, and I, I think there are sometimes people who think that, um, you know, somebody might say, well, I've sinned too much to be saved, or um, like, what if I'm too far gone? I think I've heard that from the world. So what would you say to that person? We are all far gone. <laughs> we are all so far gone. Like, you would think we would be far gone. And the fact that he loves us in spite of ourselves is a wonder for each of us. Yeah. We were, uh, was it? It was in Hebrews. We were talking about you could break the law in one point. Well, I mean, that's James, but we were talking about that in EWG about you break the law in one point. You are guilty. doesn't matter. Um, and all of us have broken it way beyond one, one time. Um, but, yeah, I think you, that's exactly why Christ came to die is because we have that, that, um, that incredible debt. We can't even measure it. Um, but he came to satisfy um, the wrath of God. And so, yeah, I mean, the, it's, that's the beauty of the gospel, right? Is that we are so, so lost, so, so lost. But he came um, as the good shepherd. And he, he finds us. So, sorry, that was just, it's like, we can't compare ourselves. I mean, we talk about comparison, but you even think about comparison, you know, regarding sin. It's just like, we can't compare because we all are so, so in need of a Savior. But I'm sure you guys have more. (laughs) Yeah, I think of Romans 5. While we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. And that's the category. If you're not safe, you're helpless and ungodly. So making kind of ranking, that doesn't matter. <laughs> you're still ungodly and helpless. So there's no, as long as you have breath, there's an opportunity. We look at the life of Saul, and he was treacherous and murderous, and God completely transformed him. And he became the biggest proponent of the gospel and um, it just should be an encouragement to, to each of us that there, there is no extent that God will not go to, to make us his own. And, and Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice, and that in and of itself shows the seriousness of our sin, all of our sin, no matter what our background was. So there is always hope. There is always, while there's breath, an opportunity for you to be, repent and be saved. I think you guys summarized that well. Thank you. Um, Do you want to explain where the questions came from? This piece of Abby? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Frequently asked questions. Generated by the girls in 180. So that that's why the questions and some of the staff as well. So it's helpful because these don't just represent... This is what we think you need to know, (laughs) but this is what we're facing. Thank you for sharing that. I was not prepped with that, Abby. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
Just kidding. Um, well, we're going to shift gears a little bit um, to friendships. Um, this is something we all have in this room and a big deal in every stage of life, but I think especially in high school. Um, so one question um, that I think is really good is just practical. How do you handle a friendship when they abruptly stop talking to you and are unkind to you? Um, and often you don't know why. Um, Um, I think that's a very personal, um, I wouldn't, I think everyone could, it's a, how you apply it could be personal and depend on your friendship and the kind of how close you are to the person, um, perhaps even culturally, um, in Mexico, I would have hesitated a long time to say anything. Um, Americans are a little bit more, uh, I don't know what, direct, that's a nice word. Um, so maybe that's a little easier sometimes. I don't know. It really does depend on the friend. Um, you could give them a little time. Um, you know, maybe someone just had a a bad tuna sandwich, even though they thank the Lord for it. (laughs) Maybe they're not feeling well. You know, that happens. Um, and maybe if you think it keeps going, maybe it would be okay to ask, are you okay? Is everything okay? Is there anything I, you don't want to focus back on yourself, but see how the person's doing and perhaps you've offended your friend. Perhaps you've sinned against your friend without realizing it. Perhaps you've done something that was offensive. So that's good. But above all, we just need to always be kind and to love people. We need to respond with kindness. Sometimes we'll never know why things happen. Sometimes the Lord is humbling us, um, and it's okay. And I sometimes we need to ask for forgiveness if we've sinned. And sometimes people will say, oh, sure, I forgive you, but they're not going to treat you the same way anymore. And it's okay. You know, if that's what the Lord has allowed, it's okay. Um, we learn from from that happening. And maybe the friend needs help or love or prayer. So those were some thoughts I had on that question. And I think in addition to that is that a principle for Christian living is that you believe the best. And sometimes we don't know why someone leaves. And so we seek counsel with someone else. Let me tell you what happened and why she's so terrible. What should I do? As opposed to, I think for me, one of the things that I have relied on over the years is, and you wouldn't know it from today, but to talk less and just pray more. Because I think for me, those two things go together. To believe the best, because I don't know someone else's heart, and I don't know what else they're going through. And there may be circumstances or other things that affect them and affect their interaction with me. But if I go to the Lord and then confess whatever might be an obstacle in my life, in my heart, in my mind, to confess that first and then pray for that individual then sometimes the Lord just says, leave that be. He's the one who changes hearts. It's none of us. It's certainly not me. And so to think that I need to make sure to reconcile, we're called to reconcile, 
But if for some reason that person is not interested or doesn't know, then I take it to the Lord. And that's where a few trusted counselors also come into play. And for most of us, it would be our moms. It would be those in our family who have wisdom and who will say, have you done this? Have you made it right? Have you done these things? And if you have done these things, then leave the rest to the Lord. I'll just add one thing. Um, okay, two things. Okay, just just to have a spirit of forgiveness, and uh, it's really hard. It's really hard to go through something like that, and um, it's painful. But before the Lord, have a heart of forgiveness towards them, and and also just don't let bitterness take root in your heart. That is a poison that will keep you from abiding with the Lord. And and so you just try to to seek the Lord and and holiness in response to a situation like that. It's it's really hard, but it's it's also I think really important and and, and it will help you as well in terms of your response to that person. Um I mean, I think you guys have already kind of started answering this, but um how would you advise someone to reconcile, Lauren used that word, but relationships that are broken? Um, how do we go about that, especially within the church? Um, but what would be your wisdom there? Yeah. Um, hmm, that is it's a tough question. Relationships are always hard. Um, yeah. Uh, I think, I think, uh, like we've kind of mentioned already, like being kind and just makes you think of love is patient, love is kind. You're talking about believing the best. Um, I always remember that patience, like, is synonymous with long suffering. Um, And so being patient with another person is one way that you can show your love. Um, And of course, you can seek to reconcile if you feel like you have done anything wrong. Um, by asking for forgiveness. Uh, uh, I just keep thinking of, I don't know why, Ephesians 4.32, and just that, that whole verse about being kind to one another and tenderhearted, um, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you, keeping that tender heart, um, like, like you were saying, like not letting bitterness separate you from anyone else, but always being ready to forgive or to ask for forgiveness. Um, and sometimes that means giving that person time. Sometimes that means a direct conversation um that god will give you the wisdom for that and others that are around you that have seen that your friendship or whatever's going on um so yeah i don't know do you have anything else to add to our last question or like how we responded to the last question i think when you see a broken relationship in the church um it's really important to learn from that scenario and that situation. Um, but by the grace of God, you know, we could, we could be going down that same road. And, and it's important to learn um, from that situation, a broken relationship, and, and to realize that um, relationships take a lot of work. And, and really, friendships that honor the Lord, they, they are a devotion and a dedication um, that, that we need to be committed to. And so we can't, 
be lackluster in terms of, of the way we treat our friends, the way that we uh, treat even the, the people and various levels of our life, even leadership, the way we treat them. We, we want to be dedicated. We want to love unconditionally. We want to love as Christ. And, um, and you'll see the fruit of that devotion and the Lord will bless that. And um, it's, it's amazing to see God work. But it's a, a broken relationship to see that. It's just a hard, hard scenario. I would also say in some cases, um, and obviously this needs wisdom, but you can involve leadership, pastors, and wise older women. Because I think of Yodia and Syntyche, right? They're in all of scripture for all of us to see. (laughs) (laughs) And Paul urged, you know, help these women. So I think that that is a precedent for us that we can, if it's within the church, and it's not, you know, going to your peers and saying, oh, this person's mean to me, but elevate it, you know, and say, "I, I really want to be humble and I want to know what I did wrong and I'm trying to do as much as, as possible for me to be at pers- peace with this person. So, yeah, I would go up to your leaders and sometimes those things go to pastors and it's all very sad because it usually means it wasn't settled, <laughs> you know, just between the two of you. But um, it's so important for the unity of the body to be visible. I think that's a really good segue to another question, but thinking of friends who are believers, maybe it's not a broken relationship, but we have friends who maybe we're noticing are not acting like a believer. Um, so how would you approach somebody who, yes, claims to be a believer and a follower of Christ, but is acting like the world? How do we deal with that situation? <laughs> I feel like it relates to what you talked about, fear of man versus fear of God. And I think that's why I looked at you. What was the question? <laughs> so stupid. What was the question? <laughs> How do we go about um, dealing with friends that say they're Christians right, right. but are acting okay. as an empire? Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, it's again, it's always want to emphasize being loving and kind to people. I think over the years I... I tend to not want to confront people as much as I might have, like, when I was first saved. Um, To be very humble and to to be kind to them, it might be necessary at some point to kindly, gently encourage them to examine themselves, to see if they're in the faith, like we see in 2 Corinthians. Um... It can be really, really difficult to say that to someone. And um, I know that you can lose a friend for that. We can't fear them, but we need to fear God. Um, Because really, that is the most loving thing we could say to someone who's not truly saved. I always ask my husband for wisdom, like you're saying. And when when I wasn't married, I would have asked my parents for their wisdom to know how to handle that gentle. But that could be the most loving thing that you end up saying to someone praying about it. Mm -hmm. But since 
whenever I'm first here, I can't think of all the other things. So tell me, continue. Well, you, you used the word humble, and yes. I think that relates, Steph, to what you had talked about, too, in terms of not allowing bitterness to take a root. So for all believers, humility needs to be where we start because we recognize that we are sinners saved by grace so that I'm no better than anyone else, and they are they are children of the Lord. They are created in his image, and so there's an opportunity to encourage. I'm not a big believer in crowdsourcing wisdom of just asking, you know, 20 of the closest people to me, what do you think? What do you think? Because wisdom can be found in the Lord. Wisdom can be found in his word and his instructions. And so that's where, again, that relationship of accountability. So people know me and can say, look at the log in your own eye before you look at someone else. And that also brings up in my mind the one another's in Scripture of how we care for one another's. And one of those is to pray for one another and to prefer one another. And that kind of links into humility as well because life is not about me and it's about the Lord. And so how can he be exalted? So how will my response honor him? Well, it's by obeying his instructions. And so when there are relationships, I don't need to ask all of the people in my geometry class, what do they think? Because then that veers into gossip as well. But I need to go to the Lord first, being a believer, and then go to my mom, go to a parent who understands you, who knows you best, and go to the woman who is discipling you, your small group leader or someone else, and just say, help me to understand this. What does God's word say I should do? And how can I pray for one another? How can I pray for this person? How can I honor this person? Because that's never going to be by talking about it unless it's to the Lord. I have had this a few times with people, either friends or in my small group, girls in my small group, and just over the course of getting to know them and watching their lives, thinking really I am questioning whether or not they're a believer, not because of an isolated incident of sin, because we all have that, but just by the pattern. And what I've used is First John uh, 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So to show them, and hopefully I said it in a loving way, but your pattern is darkness. And if you are saved, if you're a new creation, your pattern is going to be walking in the light just as Jesus is in the light and using that to guide them in hopefully answering that question to say, you know, is this just a matter of repenting of these sins and taking it seriously and changing? Or have you not actually repented ever of your sin? Because what I see is this pattern of darkness. And that is clearly um, signifying what is going on in the heart and where you're statuses with the Lord. Well, I think there's so much. Danny, were you going to say something? I don't want to. Uh, oh, I was, I feel like it's, I don't know if it's obvious, but I guess I would say just always remember too, like when you're interacting um, and friendships, just always having that clear line in your heart, like that you're not going to step across that line. If that person is, is trying to encourage you to join them in whatever activities 
that they're doing, um, even if you're close friends. That's why I was talking about the fear of man, or I brought that up because, um, yeah, I, when I was in high school, I had a lot of friends who were in my circle because they had the same values and they would say they were Christian, but they would come to a point where they would ask me to do something that did not align with God's word because they didn't know God's word. Um, and so uh, I wasn't always going to preach a sermon to them or, or like preach at them or try to, um, you know, I didn't always have the chance to share scriptures, but um, but just drawing that clear line, like, I'm not sorry, I'm not going to partake in that. Um, and and usually they'll say, why? And then you get to give a little, a little answer um, because, you know, I, I follow Christ. That's not going to honor him. That's not pleasing to God. I'm sorry. Um, and... And you, actually, you don't really need to say I'm sorry in a way, but <laughs> but um, you know what I mean. Um, just making sure that when you're interacting with that person, not saying that you have to totally like close yourself off to them, be like, loving and kind, but um, make sure you draw what the distinction of like if if they step over that line, I have to remember that I, I can't do that. Um, not giving into that peer pressure. That's all I'm saying. Something that does come to mind is that I do think when giving counsel or when this, which would be the most serious, perhaps. I think that we should expect, unfortunately, and especially nowadays where it's considered very unloving to say anything negative about anyone, that you're probably not going to be like, oh, thank you so much. I really didn't, I know, that's wonderful, and pray, let's pray right now, and I'll ask God to, you know, that might not be like, it might be good to be expecting, Mm -hmm. not just to be realistic, I mean, Normally, if there's ever been an opportunity where I, or opportunity is not a nice word, a time when I've had to say something to another woman about sin in her life or the first reaction's not normally. And I just think, again, we can't fear man. We have to fear God, and it's hard. It's hard. I know how that feels. It's not a fun thing to go through, but we have to love God more um, and know that that's the way we're loving that person. Mm-hmm. No. That's all really good. I think there's so much to be said about a friendship and just loving other people well, but loving Christ first and foremost. Um, and that should be motivating us in, in any interaction. Um, speaking of relationships, we're going to shift gears to a different type of relationship which may be somebody's least favorite subject in this room or most favorite, but we are going to shift to dating. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Joke. Um, I'm never going to be asked to do this again. (laughs) Anyway, um, I want to ask Robin and Danny this question specifically because I think you can have the the mother's perspective um, of should a young lady, maybe a high schooler, date? You go first. (laughs) (laughs) You correct whatever I say. Um, Okay, so the question was, should a young lady date? So when I read that, I thought, well, how young is young? And then what do you mean by dating? Um, And, of course, I spoke about this with my husband. Um, and he reminded me that this is a conscience, because I, you know, I start to have all my very strong ideas. Um, this is a conscience issue. It's an opinion preference issue. Okay, so what one mom wants her daughter to do in this room might be very different 
than what another mom is going to want her daughter to do. Um, I found it very helpful. Well, I've listened to my husband's, now that I think about it. You should listen to our pastor's sermons on Romans 14. I think I listened to my husband's sermons on that. I don't know if I've gotten to those yet with John. Um, But the Bible doesn't command or prohibit dating. Um, We need to be real clear on that. And I think, especially as moms, we need to discern, and as young women, we need to discern between what is a biblical principle and what is my personal preference. We need to know where the ink stops on the page of the Bible and where you're, you're going from interpretation to application. And, and it's really important to, to, re, to recognize that. And I think as a mom, it's real helpful to say clearly to our children, this is what the Bible says, and this is what I prefer. Or this is what your dad and I, this is what we want you guys to do. I think that's just helpful to our children so that they know, okay, we understand what Scripture teaches, and yet there are, you know, you know, maybe your parents want you to do courting and somebody else's parents want them to do dating. And other people are like, when you're 40, you can get married. You know. It, and so those are like some initial thoughts. Um, I also... Remember that God commands us to live in purity, to avoid sexual sin, First Thessalonians 4, because God will judge it, and Second Timothy 2, to flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, that was, that was great. Um, it was just helpful for me to hear because you're farther along, and um, I'll have to think about that someday. But um, <laughs> I think I, I love, I mean, you guys have heard it a few times if you've been in 180. Eastside's always like, are you ready to get married? And everyone's like, Crick, it's like crickets. Like, okay, I don't think you're ready to date then. <laughs> but um, I, I always look back, even on my own um, journey, I, like I said, I didn't grow up in a believing home. And so my parents, were, they, would, they would have let me date um, anybody, probably, as long as they thought he was a decent guy. Um, and I had a few, like, you know, situations where I thought maybe I will date this person. Um, but the Lord was so kind to actually prevent that from happening. Cause in that point, I feel like the reason why Esai asked that question about, are you ready to get married is because, um, marriage requires maturity. Um, and, and so dating as preparation for marriage is going to require maturity or else you're going to be led into temptation. <laughs> um, and so what the reason why I say, I'm glad the Lord stop me from entering into those relationships in high schools because I was not mature. I was not approaching them with the proper perspective, the proper um, motivation. Um, and it would have been very difficult to flee those youthful passions. Um, it would have been really difficult to stay pure in those relationships, especially as a newer believer, um, without the oversight of my parents. Um, that kind of dating would not have been very fruitful for um, my walk with the Lord. And, um, and then guys I probably or I was thinking about dating were not either not strong in their faith um or not believers and so um yeah the Lord is so kind to kind of protect me from that um because then when I got to college and was growing in my faith then he brought about a great guy as we all know and he was he was my first um person that I officially dated and um and I was so thankful that he was very respectful um and he set boundaries right away about how our relationship was going to be um, and that was really important because I grew up in a home that didn't set any boundaries. 
Um, and we are far away. Both of us are far away in college. My parents weren't there saying, oh, you can only see him when he comes over. We had to have that, our own self-control and, and set that, um, the, set the parameters and so know that the Lord was the one who ultimately um, was watching and, and seeing how we were um, pursuing marriage together um, or if we were going to pursue marriage at all. So, yeah, I think dating just takes a lot of wisdom. Like you said, it's a gray area. So your parent, parents have to discern um, what is right for this <laughs> between uh, whether it's, you know, the, the daughter, like if she's ready for this um, or the person that they're interested in. Like there's so many variables, but ultimately you want to please the Lord and, and value purity. Mm-hmm. And, and you can use your time well to pursue the Lord because um, sometimes that's the thing about dating. If you're not ready, if you don't see yourself getting married anytime soon, you're spending all this time on something that's not, if, it, if it's not going to lead towards marriage, then why, why are we investing that time in? You know what I mean? Um, you can use that time to invest in your relationship with the Lord or whatever else he's gifted you in and, and serving the church. And, and so, yeah, does that make sense? Hopefully. <laughs> that's great. Um, moving to a question um, that is going to apply to most of the women in this room of singleness. I don't think we have any married high schoolers that I'm aware of. Um, So why is singleness a blessing? Um, And I'm going to kick it over to you two over there. Um, Your wisdom. Stephanie. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Singleness. Okay, so, you know, Paul... He does say that it is a gift to be single. Um, so I'm not married, I and I don't have kids. And and just just by default, I actually have more time, and I have a, more of a freedom um, and not any distractions in those areas uh, in terms of my devotion and and my service to the Lord. So there is a benefit in in that respect. Um, I also think singleness promotes a dependence and a trust in the Lord that might not otherwise be quite as deep um, when you have a spouse right there, tangible, you know, that you can call out to. Um, It gives you an, uh, an appreciation and a gratitude for the love and care that the Lord provides um, in such a tangible way. And um, singleness, like like every season, whether trial or great blessing, is, is appointed by the Lord. And this is the Lord's best for us. Um, and it's important that you hear that in particular, that right now, singleness is not second best. It's the best. And it's intended for our good. And our joy and our contentment and meaning is based on the Lord, not on our circumstances and not on our marital status. And God is our sanctuary. But I can tell you, just because I've walked with the Lord for a really long time, um, that no one can love you or take better care of you than the Lord, period. No one can love you or take better care of you than the Lord, um, and as a single person, I just see this very tangibly, deeply, every day. And, and it is a blessing. It is a good thing. I really don't have much to add to that. I think that 
It's a great summary. I would say a blessing about being at this church is that I'm not alone. (laughs) The only single person. I did come from a church where I probably wasn't, but I felt like I was the only single person over 18 at the church. And it was very difficult to feel like that was God's best for me. But here it's like I see all these single women and men that are so active in serving the Lord. And it just makes it attractive to see, know that that's what Paul's talking about. It is a blessing because they're active in serving the church. And I want to be like that. So, yeah. Um, Well, thank you. I think that's so helpful. Just a really good reminder of, and even going back, Kelly, to your sermon. Lauren, you're single. Oh my gosh, I knew this was coming. (laughs) What's the blessing of being single? I'm supposed to ask you the questions. Um, no, I think that was put really well. I think that I, I mean, of course I've struggled with that. I, you know, have a desire to be married, but I have to believe that, you know, whatever situation God has me in is his best. Um, no good thing does he withhold from those who love him. I focus on that a lot. Um, but I also just think um, I've found a lot of comfort in not even focusing on, you know, whether I'm married or single or anything, but just like, who am I? What is my identity um, in Christ? And that is, I am a child of God and I am saved, whether I'm single, married, widowed, whatever. Um, That is first and foremost my identity. Um, And I think you see that in scripture, right? We're not, like scripture doesn't define us by that marital status. Um, It's just one of the things that is, you know, makes us who we are. So um, I just find a lot of peace and comfort in that of knowing my identity and what it is. Um, and that it's not Lauren, the single person, um, but that it is just that I love Christ and have been saved by him. So, mm-hmm. but it's taken a while. It's not always easy to to get there. And I have to remind myself, um, but really just focusing back to of, um, you know, whatever God's best is for me, that is what he will give to me. So, yeah, Kelly, I really appreciate it. Just side note, we'll have a moment right now because I really appreciated your um, talk on contentment, just a good reminder for my heart. Thank you. Is that okay, Lauren? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, man, we have so much, we're nearing the end of our time, so we have about one more question. Um, and this is more related to like career. Um, and this is a question I think we get a lot in high school ministry for sure, as you guys are thinking about. Um, what's next after high school and thinking through college or something else. So um, should a woman go to college, get a degree, and then work, pay off student loans before she gets married and has children? Or is it not necessary to go to college since she would like to be a stay-at-home mom? Um, So anyone can answer. But Stephanie, I know you have had a lot of experience, and I would love to hear from you. Um, okay, so let's see. Let's think about this. Um, it's it's not so. It's it's not necessarily that you need to go to college because there's there's a lot of things to be learned. There's actually a lot of ways that you can grow that will enable you to actually make a very good living. What, what is important is that you are wise and that you are 
in a place where um, you can provide for yourself. And uh, look at my example. I, I, I went to school, and um, I thought, you know, I was going to be married, and I'd have a family, and I'd have kids. And that's actually not what the Lord had for me. Um, he took me down a completely different path. And, and so um, it was a blessing that I was able to go to school and have a degree and actually be able to, to have a, a career and, and, and a, a living and a provision from that. Um, does that mean that I had to go to college? No, because there are a number of different ways. You can make a living um, where you actually do not need to go to college, but you can have an excellent job nonetheless. I think the important thing is, again, to learn, you know, about the example in Scripture of working hard. And, um, and even if you do get married, the Lord could actually cause your husband to go to heaven. And you may be in a place where practically you need to make ends meet and, and you need to, to have something to fall back on. And so to have a career and to have strengths and abilities that will allow you to make a good living is really, really important. And, and I think you'll be a great standard for your own kids one day too um, because that's going to be an investment. And so I think it's important in terms of being done with school and paying off your student loans before you get married, you don't know what God's timing is going to be on all of that. And so we can't necessarily control that. But I think the Lord rewards really hard workers. And I think if you are concerned about student debt, um, because that's a reality right now, I just want to encourage you. I work with our MKs and, and I see all of them, you know, in a place where they're getting ready to go. MKs are missionary kids, for those who don't know. And, and I see them, they're getting ready to go to college and, and they're thinking about, you know, these tuition bills and housing bills. And, and I will encourage you as students, do the best that you can in high school because there's a lot of scholarship money that is, that is available to you when you work hard and you have good grades in high school. And then on top of that, having summer jobs or having a job that allows you to bring in some income that will help you, help defray some of the costs that you are going to experience when you go to college. Um, I think that's prudent too. I love this question. It, it's very personal, like the one about dating. So we don't want to paint it too broadly, but uh, following up on what Stephanie was saying, one story that I will always remember about this issue was with one that my uh, grandma told me. So she was dating my grandpa when she was 16. They wanted to get married when she was 16, which is shocking to me. <laughs> but her father, so my great-grandfather great said, no, you need to go to a trade school and learn something because my great-grandfather had seen the Great Depression and World War I, and he thought that may be your plan to get married, and Richard, my grandpa, is going to take care of you, but you need to have a skill, something, so that if something were to change, you'd be able to support yourself and your family. And... So they got married at 17. Um, <laughs> anyways, but then they had my Aunt Judy, and then my grandpa was drafted for World War II, and he was gone for two years. And my grandma did have to use that skill that she had learned to take care of her daughter and herself. So the wisdom in that um, just so impactful to me in that. And then that was a lesson that my mom uh, taught me, my mom and dad. And, yeah, for all of their daughters, they wanted us to be, if it would be in the Lord's will, 
wives and moms, but they said you need to be a hard worker. Uh, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Uh, so they encouraged for us college uh, or a career of some kind. But my mom would also say, you know, what's something, if you do want to be married, what's a career or a job, something that you might be able to do part-time as a mom or maybe you would be able to come back to? So she was asking me those questions to think more long-term about finances and just a career that maybe I could do later. Um, yeah, not that she had an answer for that, just wanted me to be thinking about those things. And I think that's really important to seek counsel and to just consider what it is, yeah, what your skills are and what the Lord has given you. I would just, um, I would just think to, we don't know what, and I think it was incredibly wise, so helpful. And we don't know, um, what the Lord has for each of us, but I do think since, Nowadays, it is really hard to learn what it is that God has designed a woman to be and what God wants for a married woman and a mother. I do think that even if you don't get married um, or have children, I do think that it's wise to understand God's design for a woman, for a wife and a mother, because you might need to counsel someone someday and you want to have good counsel and um and our world right now just is teaching us everything the opposite of what god has designed for a wife and a mother to be so i would encourage all of us to understand god's design for women to whom the lord has not given the gift of singleness that uh, that god's design for a woman who to whom the Lord has not given the gift of singleness is to be married and have children if God allows that. And so I, I would encourage you to listen to all of our pastor's sermons on that and anything else that's reliable on that topic. Um, I love the Q&As that, Patricia, that they've done with Patricia MacArthur on the website. Um, I just think it's such a practical perspective that she's had for us and what an example she's been for us. Um, so yeah, it's one of those conscience issue questions. Um, but I think that all of us need to know why is it that God has made women, most women, if it's his will to be married and have children, we need to understand that. And you're not going to learn that anywhere on, um, TikTok probably, um, (laughs) that I know of. (laughs) I'll start a TikTok. You, you need to start a TikTok. <laughs> Please do that, Danny. <laughs> no, that, that's a good point. I, and I also like what um, you were saying about uh, just being mindful of if, if you have that desire and maybe the Lord will fulfill that desire of getting married and having children. Yeah, being mindful of what the career trajectory is that you're looking at. Um, like when I was, I was kind of pre-med when I went to school um, and I, I, I had to be honest, like, even though I thought about dating, it was just like, oh, that's, that'd be fun. But then when I went to college, I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting married. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a doctor, and I'm just going to be on my own for a while. And then Esai walks in the door. <laughs> so everything changed, right? Um, you always had the whole thing with, with the open hand, um, being flexible and adaptable. Um, and, and that's like, so like in that example, I was maybe pre-med, but then once Esai felt called to ministry and we were together and engaged and getting married, that didn't, that wasn't feasible anymore. I was going to be eight years in school and, um, you have to get residency and all that stuff, but maybe I'm still have that in my mind. Like I could be a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner, finding a career that could be, um, uh, 
that could work um, with a life of ministry or um, a family life. But at the same time, my main priority right now is my children. Um, and so, like, that's always in the background. Like, it's always a possibility. Um, but, yeah, I, and I know other um, Christians at Cornell that had to think about that, um, you know, like, wh- where is this career path taking me? Um, and it and it was really difficult to even consider relationships. Like, are they going to be... Yeah, I don't know. It, you, there's a lot to think about. That's the that's the main idea. Is there's a lot to consider. Um, but oh, the other point I had was, I also uh, want to encourage you when you have this time at home, or when you're in, you're you're young and you have so much time to learn, um, like work on those hospitality skills. Like learn how, managing a home is no joke. Okay, it's not like oh, dinner's gonna make itself. Laundry's, wait, the laundry's a mountain over there. Like, it's, it takes, and it's not just laundry and dishes, like, um, managing your home and opening up, um, to the church for hospitality. Like, there's so many skills that I had to learn after the fact, after I got married, that I was, I was always like, wow, it would have been so cool to learn growing up with my mom or my grandmother. Like, man, my grandma could make amazing tacos. I'm like, why did I never ask her how to do it? Like, Take advantage of this time to learn from those who know how to know how to bake, know how to serve, know how to host, um, or know how to take care of children. Um, you know how to care for a baby. It's so such a precious skill to have, whether you end up getting married um, or not. You know, 